Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us. A pleasure to connect with you guys through the I Love Seville Network, a show presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Today's show is dynamic and interactive where you, the viewer and listener, can offer thoughts and perspective and legitimately shape the discussion of what we talk about today. It frankly happens every single day. We love when the viewers and listeners help uh, shape today's conversation. Look at the screen um, for some talking points of what we're going to cover today. Um, Albemarle County teachers are demanding a union and the power of collective bargaining right now. And the teachers are going to battle the Albemarle County School Board tonight. You will see dozens if not close to 100, from what I'm hearing, Albemarle County teachers at the school board meeting tonight confronting school board members. Remember, Charlottesville teachers, Charlottesville City School teachers now have the power of collective bargaining. So Albemarle County is like, hey, our neighbors right across this invisible line, they have this. If you don't give it to us, we're going to quit Albemarle County and we're going to go to another school system that is literally right over this invisible line. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Collective bargaining is going to be the number one talking point this election cycle for the four open spots on the school board. That topic on today's show. We're going to also follow up on the restaurant incubator topic from yesterday. A lot of restaurant owners had zero idea the city of Charlottesville is funding an incubator. They watched the show yesterday, they texted, they direct messaged, they called, and they stopped by in person. And they were pissed with the city of Charlottesville. The city of Charlottesville is using taxpayer dollars, dollars partially funded by meals taxes. Meals taxes coming from restaurants to create an incubator that's going to birth more restaurants to compete with the ones that currently are in existence. You take a landscape that's already crowded and competitive, and the city of Charlottesville thinks it's a good idea to make it more competitive. We'll unpack that topic and relay what restaurant owners in Charlottesville are telling us, and it's commentary with the foundation of anger and fury. Also on today's program, Jefferson Vineyards has been sold. Fellini's Restaurant has been sold. Morsel Compass is for sale. And Black Cow Chop House is less than a week from opening. We are loaded with content today. Absolutely loaded with content today. Judah Wickhauer is the director. The show is presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrative Medicine. The show is literally live on every social media platform known to mankind. Look at the screen for the talking points. I want to give a little more color and commentary before the headlines that are on screen. I want you guys to think about this topic. I will bring this topic up on tomorrow's show. The city of Charlottesville is 10.2 square miles. It's landlocked. Very little space to develop. I'm going to highlight in about 30 seconds seven parcels in the city that I think have the most upside or potential from a density standpoint, a tax revenue standpoint, a performance standpoint, 
especially in today's inventory-pinched ecosystem. I'm going to put these in order for you. And then I want your thoughts, your perspective, and your comments. Yesterday, I highlighted the City Yard and the Star Hill neighborhood. Can you find, I, I know I'm asking you to do this on the fly. If you Google Charlottesville City Yard, Charlottesville City Yard, um, and when you find the map, J-Dubs, what you're looking for is um, the public works on the Google Maps. And I apologize. I should have brought this up to you before the program. Thank you for adopting on the fly. It's kind of in the Star Hill neighborhood. Public Works Administration. Yeah. Star Hill neighborhood, kind of right behind West Main. If you can show the map where folks can see where this, this piece of property is. Um, I would love for folks to get an idea of what I'm talking about. I'll dig really deep tomorrow on these seven pieces of, of seven properties with upside and potential. Um, I'll really unpack it for you. I want to whet your appetite today. Here are seven that I think have the most upside in a 10.2 square mile city that's landlocked, that's inventory pinch, that has no affordability, that really has no opportunity to increase density. I got the city yard. I got the West Main Street parking lot, which is owned by Alan Kajin. He listens to this show. He's a bi-coastal attorney, spends a lot of his time in San Francisco, a lot of his time in Charlottesville. Alan Kajin, one of the most powerful commercial property owners in Charlottesville. So I've given you two so far, the Charlottesville City Yard, the West Main Street parking lot. That's that parking lot associated with the Amtrak station. Does anyone think Ix Park currently is being utilized to its fullest potential? I think that needs to be on the list. Does anyone think the Staples parking lot, I talked about this yesterday, is being utilized to its fullest potential? That should be on the list. How about Wright's Junkyard, kind of close to Beer Run? Now, Wright's Junkyard is family-owned. The junkyard is performing from a business standpoint, the Wright family is quality people. One of those guys, one of the family members, Harry, is a friend of this program. The Wright's junkyard has got tremendous upside and potential from a density standpoint, from a housing standpoint, from a tax revenue standpoint. I'm very curious to see, however, what the, um, and I don't know the exact phrase of this, when you have a junkyard and you're like basically keeping cars for decades, like junked cars for decades, on dirt and land, you got to imagine the oil and the rust and the chemicals from those cars is seeping into the dirt below the junk. So the only caveat I have with Wright's Junkyard, which is close to Beer Run, is what is the, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Viewers and listeners, help me out here. Is it um, ecological concerns? I mean, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? When a, when a land could be, when land can be damaged by, say, gasoline tanks that have been underground, by like um, uh, dry cleaners use chemicals to clean clothes. A lot of times, dry cleaning businesses damage the land below the dry cleaners. Junkyards often have land that's um, environmentally not super friendly because the chemicals from the junk seep into the dirt below it 
and really damage that land. That's the only caveat I have on Wright's junkyard. Is, is the, the land below the junkyard damaged because it's been a junkyard for decades? The Dewberry Hotel's got to be on that list, and Kim's Market's got to be on li- that list, the grocery store on Cherry Avenue. There are seven pieces of property that I just gave you. Ix Park, the West Main Street parking lot, Wright's Junkyard, the City Yard, Kim's Market, the Staples parking lot, and the Dewberry Hotel. Those seven properties in a landlocked 10.2 square mile city have the most upside from a housing density standpoint, a tax revenue standpoint, and a performance standpoint. On tomorrow's show, I'm going to take a really deep dive on these properties. Do you have the map at all that we can put on screen? Tell me again where you're, what you're looking for. I, I, this is my fault. I should ask for this in advance. There's, um, if you Google Charlottesville City Yard and then click Maps... And then you zoom in, you'll see um, two red arrows on the map that are Charlottesville Public Works and Charlottesville City Warehouse, kind of behind Tavern and Grocery in that Star Hill neighborhood. Tavern and Grocery. I can find it tomorrow. I, I think I know what you're talking about. If, if you can put it on screen for the viewers and listeners, that way we can whet their appetite. Look, we don't have any more dirt. How do we build any more houses if we don't have any more dirt? Right? There's seven pieces of property with opportunity to build some houses and some density and to uptick tax revenue. Do we really think the West Main Street parking lot owned by Alan Kajin is generating the most tax revenue and performing at the highest clip possible? Hell no. Hell no, it's not. Do we really think that Ix Park, and I love Ix Park, I love Three Notch, I love Animal Connection, I love Jay Burr Coffee, I love the bike shop. But let's cut to the chase. X Park has got a lot of grass and a lot of dirt. It's being underutilized. Ludwig Kutner and Alan Kajin own. Interestingly, Alan Kajin has got his hands in a lot of these. I mean, Alan Kajin is a co-owner of X Park. Alan Kajin owns the West Main Street parking lot. He's got two of seven, Kajin. Two of seven. The city owns one, the city yard. The Wright family owns the junkyard. Kim's Market just got purchased. Staples parking lot will take a deep dive on who bought that, who owns that. And of course, the Dewberry Hotel. Those, the, the seven properties I just outlined for you right there are, in a lot of ways, the most underperforming in this town. Tax revenue underperforming, housing density underperforming, upside underperforming. There's seven. That topic on tomorrow's program, okay? Now, let's get to uh, the topics for today. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show, it's going to get ugly tonight at the Almaro County School Board meeting. Anonymous, I'm going to get to these comments. I see them. They're damn good, dude. I'm going to get to these comments, Anonymous, in a matter of moments. In fact, I'll get to Anonymous's comment right now. He says, excellent call yesterday about City Yard. It is funny, during the comp plan debate, many people pointed out uh, the City Yard parcel to Snook and asked why it would not be better to turn that into affordable housing than to upzone the entire city. He, re- he reacted vehemently to shut it down. I have a theory. The city knows or strongly suspects that it has, during its use of the parcel, caused extreme environmental contamination. There's the phrase I was looking for. Think, 
plumes of diesel in the soil. Any attempt to change the use will entail the discovery and the mandate to clean it up. The environmental mess. Nobody wants to take the blame, so they just keep whistling past the graveyard, the city yard, using this prime real estate for low-value use. That's the phrase I was looking for, deep throat. Freaking love you, deep throat. I love you, anonymous. Environmental contamination. I'm also concerned about the environmental contamination at Wright's Junkyard. That's the only caveat I have with, the, with Wright's Junkyard. And if, if the dirt below the junkyard is so contaminated with diesel and oil and gas and rust and all the other stuff that comes from junk, that it would, it would cost millions of dollars to rehabilitate and bring back to today's standards. And Anonymous makes a very good point. Anonymous makes a very good point. Why do we think a junkyard off West, or excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Why do we think a public works facility, a public works facility, basically a warehouse for Charlottesville trucks and heavy equipment, why do we think that is the best use of that land in a town that is drowning in affordability or lack thereof? Why are we, the community, not calling City Hall and asking city councilors and asking the hired gun city manager and, and demanding that Charlottesville take significant, significant acreage off West Main Street that they own? Charlottesville owns this. Charlottesville owns the city yard. They own the city yard. Explain to me how Charlottesville City Hall can be pro-affordability, pro-density, and all this other stuff, but have a, a huge parcel of land that's strictly allocated to storing trucks and heavy machinery. Why would the city of Charlottesville not form a joint venture, a JV, with Albemarle County and bring the city yard equipment right into Albemarle County kick Almaro County some rent and say, we're going to take this acreage and we're going to develop it for affordable housing. That is common sense. That's how a small business owner goes about his or her business. The city, not so fast, my friends. They don't want to do it. Does the city not want to do it? Because they know the dirt's contaminated with diesel, with gas, with rust, with oil, and other crap. Is that why? That's a fair question. We should be asking that question. All of us should be asking that question. It's on screen. It's on screen? Judah Wickhauer. Judah Wickhauer. Judah Wickhauer. J-dubs. Environmental contamination. Thank you. Anonymous Deep Throat says, also check out 1134-1136 Emmett next to the CVS. That's the, um, where Anderson's Carriage House used to be because the CVS went from Barracks Road Shopping Center across the street. That's underutilized and underperforming. We got to think creatively right now. Real estate agents watching this program, they want more inventory. West Main Street parking lot, asphalt parking lot in Midtown. Is that the best use of that? Has anyone seen that parking lot full or at capacity at any time? I haven't. Have you? Not me. Alan Kajin is sitting on two gold mines. Alan, you watch this program, you listen to this show. You are sitting on stacks of gold bars 
Esquire Kajin. And your stacks of gold bars are X Park and that West Main Street parking lot. Stacks of gold bars, Kajin. Stacks of gold bars. And the late, great Gabe Silverman pointed you in the direction of these stacks of gold bars decades ago. And whether you're utilizing a land banking strategy or you're just sitting on the land until the city's completely bursting at the seams and then you can get a premium, smart move, dude. Smart move. And I have no problem with the wealth and success that you've accumulated through hard work and strategic risk-taking. That's what I'm trying to do. I will never, ever, ever fault or hold success against somebody. I hate that mindset that's out there in the world today where people throw shade against people that are wealthy that have built that wealth through hard work. Good for them. I will never be jealous of those folks. I will never hold their success against them. And I will never, ever, ever, ever feel guilty for my personal success and the wealth that I've built through hard work. Never will I feel guilty for that. Kajin's sitting on stacks of paper right now, guys. Stacks of gold bars. We'll take a deep dive on tomorrow's show. Mark your calendar for 1230 tomorrow. It's going to be a dynamite program. Let's go to the next topic. You put that back on screen. Multiple people are asking for that to go back on screen. Jay Dubs is rocking and rolling, baby. I'm fired up today. Can you tell? I can tell. Look at that. that is, in the, is that not in the heart of the city, the city yard? Yeah. Is the city yard not developing this multi-acre parcel because of environmental contamination? Very well could be. Is the city yard keeping this on the hush and the lowdown and choosing not to put this into the new cycle because it knows it's destroyed this parcel of land by misuse and neglect? Would make sense. City councilors, I'm talking to you guys. You guys are friends, but at the same time, I got to hold you accountable. Upzone the city, but let's keep multi-acre parcels for pickup trucks and heavy machinery. Come on. Ridiculous. All right, tonight, new topic. Almar County teachers, I'm in contact with them. They're going to be coming to the school board meeting today. by the dozens, if not close to a hundred, dressed in red and ready to battle, ready to confront, ready to go toe-to-toe like Mike Tyson chomping Evander Holyfield's ear and spitting the lobe to the canvas like a rabid, 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 what would be a good rabbit animal, Judah? Uh, let's see. That chomps um, people's ears off and spits the lobe to the canvas. Holyfield's blood oozing out of his mouth. That literally happened. Honey badger? Honey badger. <laughs> honey badger. The teachers are going to come to the school board beating like rabbit honey badgers, ready to chomp off Yono Alcaro's ear and Katrina Coulson's ears. Graham Page's ears, Osborne's ears, and spit them on the floor of the dais. 
Charlottesville City and its teachers, they got the power of collective bargaining. Albemarle County teachers want the same thing. I've said this once, I will say it again. The school board election, four seats on the board, up for grabs. They will be determined in part by collective bargaining. The teachers are frustrated and fed up. And can you blame them? Can you think of any professions? What professions can you think of that are more, <coughs> that are more underappreciated, undervalued, underloved, lacking respect than teachers, police, firefighters, and EMTs? The teachers in Almaro County said, our friends in Charlottesville City Schools have collective bargaining power now. If you don't give it to us, we're going to quit. We're going to quit. And frankly, teachers that are watching this program, and I know you watch routinely, that's, it's where it's gotten to the point. Where if you don't have, get the power of collective bargaining, it might be time for you guys to do a group quit. And say, peace, we're out. We're going to Charlottesville City. We're going to private schools. We're going to Louisa. We're going to Orange. We're going elsewhere. I mean, that's the leverage you have. That's your leverage. How does the school system run without teachers? It doesn't. Tonight, school board meeting, dozens, almost 100, will be in attendance. And I got your back, teachers. I got your back. I've said on this program routinely that I think collective bargaining should be in your future, if not in your present. Bring the intensity, teachers, tonight. Show up. I want you to crack 100 people showing up for the school board. I want you guys to be dressed completely in red, and I want you to come with a mindset of Mike Tyson chopping off Evander Holyfield's ear and spitting it to the canvas. Instead of Holyfield's ear, it's going to be Yono Arqueros, Graham Page, Osborne's, Colson's, Hosses. It's going to be a school board meeting of epic proportions. Esta noche. Epic proportions. And we'll follow it very closely. Two shot, two shot, two shot. Judah Wickhauer on the two shot. Restaurant incubator, the next topic of today's program. Dude, you don't know the fire we created on yesterday's show with this restaurant incubator topic. We have a lot of responsibility, you and I. Folks, tune into this show for their news. Not only do citizens of Central Virginia watch the I Love Seville show for their news, but the TV stations and the print outlets are watching this show for the news that they're going to report about. No one knew about the restaurant incubator. No one. Mm-hmm. Beacon Hill. A division or, a, or a, an idea of New Hill development. Yolanda Harrell, the CEO. She's doing a hell of a job. Hell of a job. Yolanda, I'm going to say this once, I'll say it again. You're doing a hell of a job. This restaurant incubator concept you're, you're birthing, though, I'm a little worried about it. 
the Beacon Project, not Beacon Hill. Here's why I'm a little worried about it. The Beacon Project is projected to be a fully equipped shared-use kitchen. The goal is to expand economic opportunities in the Charlottesville area through the food service business models. The focus for the Beacon Project is for the black African-American community. Among New- others. What's that? Among others. Primary focus is for the black community. Okay. Yolanda Harold told council, this is going to be a place where 70 food businesses can be supported. It's an opportunity for folks to learn catering. To learn how to birth a restaurant. I asked the question yesterday. Multiple questions. And I'm going to read them verbatim from the comment section. Should the city of Charlottesville, J-Dubs, Judah B. Wickower, the jack of all wit, the jack of all trades, should the city of Charlottesville be utilizing taxpayer dollars to create an incubator that's going to birth new restaurants into an already crowded and competitive landscape. I'll take it a step further. Should the city of Charlottesville allocate revenue, meals, tax, revenue? Right. From the businesses. I, I, get that. I still think that I think that maybe some of some of the outrage is a little overblown. Please, I'd love to hear this. Um, I, Obviously, we're going to disagree on this, and I'm going to disagree respectfully with you. Well, I, I'm not going to be antagonistic today. I had. I'm trying to learn from past cons- past I hadn't experiences. Considered the points that you made yesterday, and you did make some good points, and I appreciate that, and I understand what you're saying, and I understand the. Uh, I understand having a problem with the city uh, setting, up, setting up an incubator with city funds, with uh, funds from other restaurants to, uh, to help grow other businesses that may eventually, <clears throat> may eventually be competitors. At the same time, I don't know that a lot of the people that are going to be starting up in a situation like this are going to be who are their who are they going to be competing against they're not going to be competing against uh the the whiskey jars and the uh the cnos and how do you know that they may eventually but really i mean do you really see these people setting up they like, they wouldn't set up a stall in dairy market what's that they wouldn't rent a stall in dairy market they might, but... If they're renting a stall in Dairy Market, aren't they competing directly with Andy McClure, Citizen Burger Bar? Possibly. I'll ask the questions and I'll hear your response. I'm going to bring passion, but not antagonistic passion. Okay. I'm going to bring fire, but respectable fire. Should the city fund a restaurant incubator that will birth, that births new restaurants that will compete directly with current restaurants? Is that a conflict of interest, especially since some of the funding will be from current restaurants and their meals tax revenue? I'm going to read John Blair's comments in a matter of moments. John Blair, I love you. 
I love you, John Blair. I think you're a voice of tremendous reason. I wish you were still working in Charlottesville. I think you're an incredible asset to this community. I'm going to ask those questions again, and I'll be quiet. Should the city of Charlottesville fund a restaurant incubator that births new restaurants that will compete directly with current restaurants? Is that a conflict of interest, especially since some of the funding will be from current restaurants and their meals tax revenue? I'm being quiet. I agree. I think it is questionable that the city is funding this. I would have to read more about it. I'm sure that it's not entirely funded by the city. Uh, that being said, yes, I also think that it's uh, – I, I, I appreciate one of the comments that I read, and you'll probably read it soon. I believe it had something to do with the fact that uh, where is the uh, where is the balance? Where is the fairness in providing this to uh, to, po- to possible startups uh, and setting them up to compete against businesses that didn't have that uh, didn't have that uh, luxury? Yeah. I appreciate that, and, and I, it's a good point. Another wrinkle, another element to this very nuanced discussion. The incubator, its primary focus is birthing black-owned businesses. This community has a terrible history with black-owned businesses, specifically Vinegar Hill, where Charlottesville destroyed an entire black neighborhood called Vinegar Hill, where Staples is, where Siren is, where Gerhardt's Chocolate is, that parking lot that I'm saying that is underutilized, that was home. I'm going to read verbatim. So I I have this 100% right of Vinegar, Vinegar Hill. In 1965, the entire Vinegar Hill neighborhood was raised as part of urban renewal, a plan that was initiated in the 1950s. By a margin of 36 votes, the city of Charlottesville voted to destroy Vinegar Hill in a referendum. This occurred in a time where the poll tax excluded many black residents from voting. One church, 30 businesses, and 158 families were displaced, almost all black. 600 community members were moved into the West Haven public housing complex. Families who had lived in standalone houses now resided in multifamily complexes. The site remained vacant for well over a decade, and it was not until 1985 that a redevelopment project was put in place and the Omni Hotel, the Staples Office Supply Store, and the shopping center where the Shabin is located, now Siren, started getting developed. That's another un- layer to this onion. The terrible history this city has had yeah. when it's come to African Americans. No doubt. And that should be highlighted, in, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. So here's the question. And then I'm going to relay to you what the restaurant owners told me that listened to the yesterday's show. Talk to me in person, DM, text, email, and phone call. If you're creating an incubator to birth restaurants, catering businesses, and other food service business models, 
and you're using taxpayer dollars to do it, some of those dollars, meals tax dollars, generated from restaurants, are you not, what's the phrase? Cutting your nose to spite your face? I don't know if I'd use that, but I get Can the community saying. support more restaurants? If the community, if the city of Charlottesville births more restaurants through this incubator, will it not take customers away from the current restaurants? That's safe to say. That's... <laughs> and if it, takes rest, if it takes customers away from current restaurants, established ones, ones that have been around for years, if not decades, does it not weaken the longevity potential of those current ones? Yeah. And if it weakens the longevity potential of those current ones, does that, potential, does that potentially create a damning impact on tax revenue? Because let's cut to the chase. Isn't it much more likely that Zocalo <coughs> or the Nook or Hamilton's or the Aberdeen Barn are going to survive over a restaurant birth from an incubator when 80 plus percent of small businesses fail in their first three years? Way more likely than an established brand that's been around for two decades is going to survive than one that was birthed two months from now. You give me that. Yeah. Definitely. Show is yours. Show is yours. Show is yours. <coughs> uh, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not, you know, I'm not the, uh, the cheerleader for the... <laughs> show is yours. Anywhere you want to go. I'm bringing passion, but respectable passion. I'm bringing fire, but respectable fire. I'll stop talking. I want to talk so bad. I want to talk so bad. I do have a problem with uh, with the city funding this. Uh, if it was, I was a different tune than you had yesterday. I knew less about that yesterday than I do today. Fair. Fair. I still think this is not a bad idea. There are a lot of people like you don't want to. You wouldn't want to shut down CIC because it's creating it's creating businesses that are going to compete against other businesses. Would you? What's that? I'm sorry. I, I was reading the comments here. I, I, missed, I missed that. I'm doing like 80 things at once here. This, reading these comments, hosting the show and listening to you. I apologize. CIC. A community Investment Collaborative. You wouldn't want to shut that down because it's creating businesses that oh, I love compete the against other businesses. Love the CIC. So, Stephen Davis, you're doing a great job. Lee Everson, Alex Serpy, doing a great job. So is the big problem with, with this that it's using city funding? And, and, and money from, uh, from the... Meals tax? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm with you on that. That's my issue. Yeah. I don't, I, That's a conflict of interest in my book. I, when, now, that, now that you've laid it out for me, I agree with you 100% there. Wow, Judah's agreeing with me. This is the first on the I Love Seville show. This is the first. This is the first. The contrarian is agreeing with me. Oh, my God. Should I play? I, I feel like I should play the lottery today. It's not a first. I know I mean, it's not a first. You laid, out a, you laid out a good exactly. point. You and I, I think, both agree that the, uh, the underlying concept is not bad, and there's nothing wrong with it. The problem is, that, uh, the, problem is the implementation of, of city funding. If the Beacon Project and New Hill Development Corporation raised the money through the private sector or if they raised all the money from Commonwealth grants, yeah. or they raised the money through 
asking super wealthy people, right. having bake sales, go for it. Right. All for it. Love the incubator concept. Yeah. I'm all for the incubator. My beef with the incubator is using the tax revenue that was generated by restaurants. Yeah. And I, I can't disagree with you there. John Blair. John Blair. Love John Blair. Um, this is what he says. That's a very fair point, Jerry, about restaurant meals taxes literally being used to fund competitors. This is a $500,000 grant of general fund dollars, which are funded in part by meals taxes. It's $500,000 to fund what is, in effect, a food service competitor hub, a better use of general fund dollars than a protected bike lane, which Livable Seville is advocating for, a master planning process for West Haven project, or an expansion of tax relief such as CHAP. He also says this. God, he's such, I love his comments, dude. I think we can both agree that Charlottesville has a thriving, some might argue, oversaturated food service sector. I don't know that it makes sense to invest taxpayer dollars in a food service incubator in a town with so many restaurants and caterers. 100% agree with that. This is what could happen. This is legitimately what could happen. The city uses meals tax revenue, taxpayer dollars, to create an incubator. The incubator births catering companies and restaurants. The catering companies and restaurants that are birthed from this incubator become businesses in this town. When they become businesses in this town, they're going to have customers. Those customers are going to come from established restaurants and catering companies. The established restaurants and catering companies are going to suffer. They're already suffering because cost of goods are volatile and extremely expensive. There's a labor shortage and labor's expensive. Inflation is kicking them in the nuts. They're going to lose customers at the time when they cannot afford it. Then you risk the established businesses going out of business. And when the established businesses go out of business, the city's going to lose taxpayer dollars because they close, and then they're going to be betting on restaurants that are birthed in 2023 when the failure rate of new business is 80% plus in the first three years. I would imagine the failure rate for restaurants is even greater, especially in a town that has too many of them. No doubt. Has anyone on the dais or in City Hall thought about this. Because this is how I look at things, from the lens of a small business owner. City Hall and the dais doesn't look at things that way. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a follow-up question. Are you ready for this one? Does the city of Charlottesville owe it? Does the city of Charlottesville owe it to the African-American community to do this? That's a loaded question. How is it loaded? City Hall destroyed Vinegar Hill. I mean, it. Last I looked, you look when you when you're looking at the Charlottesville city. What do you see? Homogenous citizens. Not much diversity. Is that fair? 
I'm not seeing much diversity. Are you seeing diversity? You're not seeing diversity in Charlottesville? Oh, come on. You see diversity in Charlottesville? More than I saw in Portland, Maine when I was in high school there. You see diversity in Charlottesville? Yeah. No. No? No. Okay, well, explain it to me. You see diversity in Charlottesville? I mean, we just had... We just had... Six... Who sees diversity in Charlottesville? You see diversity in Charlottesville? We just had six uh, Hispanic and uh, Latina, Latino people in the, in the studio this morning. On today and manana. Yeah. Does anyone call Charlottesville a diverse city? Matt Daring, would you call Charlottesville a diverse city? Neil Williamson, would you call Charlottesville a diverse city? Kevin Yancey, Kevin Higgins, Deep Throat, KTP, Katie Pearl, would you call Charlottesville a diverse city? Scott Aaronworth, would you call Charlottesville a diverse city? Todd Rath, would you call Charlottesville a diverse city? Johnny Ornalis, Tom Stargell, Bob Yarborough, Lisa Custolo, Janice Boyce Trevilian, Vanessa Parkhill, John Blair, would you call Charlottesville a diverse city? I wouldn't. Okay. You would? I mean, you probably have to. You have, probably have to set a definition. Is there a certain cutoff point for how many of of what color and <laughs> what language speaking? Where I, it's not the most diverse city. No. All right. This is according to the United States Census Bureau. Charlottesville, Virginia, seventy percent white. Okay. I'll put the link in the comment section of my personal Facebook page. Go to Jerry Miller, my personal Facebook page right now. 70% white. Ooh, Neil Williamson, just put it right there. 69.7 per census. Love you, Neil Williamson. This is for you, Neil. Sorry, Matt. I'm sorry. I, the, I'm sorry. I, I want to say, Matt, daring. daring. I'm sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to make that moniker mistake. I'm working on that moniker mistake. Matt Daring. He says... Seville, 70% white, 18% black, 7% Asian. That's not diverse. I just put the link for the U.S. Census Bureau on my Facebook page, comment section. In fact, I'll share that link on the I Love Seville Facebook page. The I Love Seville Facebook page reaches 7,000 people. My personal Facebook page reaches 6,300 people. The I Love Seville group page reaches 5,000 people. I Love Seville food reaches 10,000 people. I Love Seville network reaches 9,000 people. I'm going to put it on my LinkedIn that reaches 8,000 people. I just shared that U.S. Census Bureau link with roughly 100,000 people right now in a matter of eight seconds. Literally. You see the metrics. We both know the metrics and the reach. It's ridiculous. Would anyone call this a diversity? The Charlottesville owe it to an underserved population to fund this incubator. Apparently not. You say no? I said apparently not. That seems to be the... It seems the, like a lawyer talking right there. Well, it seems like a lawyer talking right there. I'm, I'm all for the incubator, but I, but I definitely agree with your point that it's problematic having it, having it partially funded by, by money taken from other, from other restaurants that 
may soon have these people as their competitors. All right. I'm gonna, fair comment. I'm going to go to comment. I'm going to go to text messages from restaurant owners. I got to be careful how I read these text messages so the restaurant owners are not outed. Outed. Because if they're outed, they may see some, some blowback. At a time when they can ill afford that type of uh, negative press. Exactly. So, <laughs> be really careful about this. And one of the reasons people send us information so much on this program is they understand that I respect anonymity, and you mm-hmm. do too. Yeah. Our word is our bond. And if someone asks for anonymity, I respect that request to the umpteenth degree. Yeah. This is a restaurant owner that's on the downtown mall. This restaurant has been in operation. Using my words carefully. That might give it away. I, okay. For a long period of time. Long period of time. Okay. That doesn't give it away. Long period of time. Jerry, I watched your show yesterday and I had no idea about this incubator that the city was funding. I 100% agree with you to take our meals tax dollars and to create an incubator that's going to get businesses to compete directly with mine is bull (laughs) profanity. Mm -hmm. Bull profanity. I'm having a hard time barely making my rent right now. Our payroll is often late. And the only reason my staff stays with me is they understand the plight I'm in because I'm transparent with them. Having more restaurants in this community will literally cause the closure of potentially mine and others that have been around for a very long time. Please continue fighting the fight. We appreciate you. I'm going to go to another one. And then I'll transcribe a voicemail. The cool thing about iPhone is it transcribes it for you. So you don't have to like listen to it. You can read it, the transcription. As long as the person talks. Speaks clearly. Yeah, yeah speaks clearly. Right? Sometimes I look at the transcription. I'm like, what? Like, why are there 50 like, know. blank spaces yeah. interspersed throughout this? Was right. this, was this, was this vo- uh, te- voicemail uh, redacted? Yeah, right. I wonder the same. Exactly. This one mentions you. Oh. Jerry, please explain to your sidekick, Judah, that I can, not, I can barely pay my bills right now. We're closing not because we want to, but because we don't have the staff to work the hours. The ideas we've created, like launching a brunch service, have failed miserably because our staff doesn't want to work a Friday night and then come into work on a Saturday morning or work a Saturday night, and then coming into a work on a Sunday morning. When I try to launch my brunch just to get some additional revenue to pay my bills, my staff didn't show up for work because they were all drunk, hungover, or worse from going out the night before. More restaurants cannot be supported in this community because we don't have the labor to keep our current restaurants in operation. Fair point. Yeah. 
Definitely a fair point. Let's go to the voicemail transcription. Ready for this one? Jerry, my restaurant is barely four years old. When I launched this business, it was my dream to make good food for good people and to get to know them through my passion, which was cuisine. I realized very quickly that making good food for good people was the minuscule aspect of this company or business. I'm a therapist. I bail my staff out of jail. I'm a babysitter. And I'm constantly having to mediate fights amongst people on my team. This is not about good food and good people. This has turned almost into a nightmare. But I have a 10-year lease and I cannot afford to stop right now because I would owe the remaining money on this term. Please do not allow this town or our government officials who know nothing about restaurants to allow more to open with taxpayer dollars. I can continue if you want. I thought those were the most sincere. No, no, I, I mean, you can, you can continue if you want. Um, they all make good points, and I certainly agree that uh, spending taxpayer money to, uh, to provide competitors for businesses that are already struggling is uh, not, it's just not a, a, good, uh, a good way to spend that money. There are plenty of other things we could be using it on, like uh, making sure that our teachers. And well, what Blair said, what well JB played. said. What? Use the taxpayer dollars to create bike lanes and a better walkable city. Yeah. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Or what Blair said, JB said, I mean, you use the money potentially, and John didn't say this, this is me saying, but use the money for other projects, right. like maybe the environmental remediation of the city yard in a joint venture program with Almoral County where then they can then remodel the city yard into affordable housing. Yeah. Or more housing stock. Right. Like, it's just, it's, 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 it's frustrating because I... Danny O'Day, D.O.D., who watches this program a lot? I think it's his birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Danny O'Day. Happy birthday, Danny. Happy birthday, Danny. He says I use the, use the phrase common sense incorrectly. Okay. He says what is common sense to me may not be common sense to others, so it's not common sense. Right. And when he said that, it kind of resonated with me, and I'm like, okay. So when I say this seems like common sense, it might be to me because I look at things as a small business owner where every single dollar we earn, we had a fight for I mean, we bust our humps here, right? Do we not? Yeah. Look at the man's face. We bust our humps here. Like, you're clocking what? 45? I mean... Yeah, something like that. Say about 45 hours a week. Give or take. Sometimes more. Call 45 to 50. Whether you want to admit this or not, I'm clocking 2x that. It's not whether I want to admit it or not. I mean, it's not like... I understand. I'm don't, I don't feel sorry for me. No, no, no. It doesn't have this is the path with, I've chosen. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It has, just has to do with the fact that I'm not watching you... This is the path I've chosen. ...a hundred hours a week. And I'm so. not looking for guilt. And I'm not looking for sorrow. And I wouldn't change a thing. Okay. I love what I do. I love what I do. 
The reality is, is we're busting our tails. And every dollar that comes in, I see it like, not as like a dollar, but what does this dollar cover from an expense standpoint? That's how I look at money. Yeah. Kids' tuition, mortgage, mm-hmm. groceries. Our youngest son, who's what? How old is he, sweetheart? Is he nine weeks old? I think he's nine weeks old now, right? Is he nine weeks old, nine weeks old this past Sunday? He's got a, a um, traditional formula, potentially a traditional formula allergy. So he, now he needs this super deluxe formula hmm. and not the normal formula. He needs super deluxe formula. Oh, yeah. My sister's, my, uh, my niece is, is uh, lactose intolerant. Super deluxe formula. Anyone watching this program, the cost of super deluxe formula, f- take, a, take a step back. The cost of formula is ridiculously expensive. Ridiculously expensive. The cost of the super deluxe formula that doesn't have the allergies is even more expensive. No doubt. I mean, you're talking hundreds of dollars a week. Mm -hmm. So I see it. Oh, retainer check came in. Retainer checks are coming in. Super deluxe formula. $225 in groceries for the week. J-Dubs salary. Mortgage. Taxes. Real estate taxes. Office supplies. And what I say is common sense may not be common sense to local government. Right. Because local government doesn't maybe look at it that way. So I'm going to try to eradicate that term from my vocabulary. I mean, some things are common sense, like, you know. You need oxygen to breathe? Yeah. Nakia Walker was bad for the city? I didn't say that out loud, did I? Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that out loud. I didn't mean to say that. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> sorry. I love you, Nakia. I love you. I love you, Nakia. I just don't think folks see the forest through the trees. And on paper, an incubator for a historically marginalized demographic, for a historically forgotten demographic, ignored demographic, mistreated demographic on paper using meals tax revenue to fund an incubator that benefits this demo on paper makes sense. Yeah. But when you peel the layers of the onion back and you start extrapolating the what ifs and the collateral damage, you realize you're cutting your nose to spite your face. And that's what's happening. And that's why these folks that are watching this program, like I'm seeing the restaurant owners now watching. And I'm seeing you, J.O., Johnny Ornalis. 
I mean, how would you feel if your meals tax revenue from your amazing restaurant on Jefferson Park Avenue went to fund a business that could directly compete with your business? I would think you'd be pissed. Ugh. Charlottesville, Virginia in 2023, baby. Place is one of a kind. One thing you can say about Charlottesville. It's a talk show host. Definitely one of a kind. It's a talk show host dream. It's a talk show host dream. Because the content is never ending. It's never ending. I don't, I just, I have to keep my ears open. Oh, I think I should talk about this today. I promise we'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments. I got a couple of items I need to get out of the notebook really quickly. Why don't you go to the one shot and then we'll weave you back in on a two shot. Look at the screen for some headlines and then I'm going to read your comments. I'm going to get to your comments, Neil Williamson. Kevin Yancey, I'll get to your comments. Matt Daring, I will get to your comment. Um, Scott Aaronworth, I'll get to your comments. KTP, your comments. Lisa Cussman, the show is on fire right now. The show is on fire. Meredith, I'll get to your comments, Young. A couple other items out of the notebook first. Daniel Kaufman owns Public Fish and Oyster on West Main. He also owns the bottle shop right across from Public. I think arguably the best happy hour, or one of the best, why don't I say that? One of the best happy hours in Central Virginia is Public Fish and Oyster. I asked my wife yesterday, what is your favorite restaurant right now in Charlottesville? And she said, public. She says, it's my favorite restaurant right now. That's what you said, right, sweetheart? I think you're watching this. Pro- oh, you are watching, sweetheart. Yeah, she's watching. Love what she watches the show. She said, public. So I'm going to try to make resis, J-Dubs. I'm going to try to make resis for, um, uh, for Valentine's Day. Reservations? Yeah. You've heard resis before, right? No. Never heard resis? No. But I know, you like to, I know you like to make up words. You've heard Rezies. No. <laughs> I'm going to make Rezies for the fam for V-Day. Valentine's Day has changed, man. Valentine's Day now, when you have two kids, is lugging the baby carrier. Why is that damn baby carrier that plugs, in, plugs into the uh, car seat, the thing that comes out of the car seat, the holder of the baby? What is the holder of the baby called? Carrier? Basket? That baby box that plugs into the car seat, that clicks into the car seat in the car. That thing is so heavy. Why is the baby basket so heavy? That damn baby basket is so heavy. Maybe it doubles as a, like a protective. Obviously. No, of course it does. Maybe it doubles as a protective device for the baby. Yeah. I don't have a baby. Valentine's Day now is taking the baby basket and your almost five-year-old and you book a reservation in the middle of the day at five o'clock when the sun is still out on Valentine's Day. You hope to God your near five-year-old is behaved and your nine-week-old doesn't cry while you gobble down lobster rolls and drink cold beers in your home in bed by seven o'clock at night. Life has changed dramatically since closing the bars down and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
All right, I'm getting distracted here. So Daniel Kaufman owns Public. He owns the Bottle House on West Main. I think Public's got one of the best happy hours in the in in in, in the area. The lobster roll is 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 discounted and priced at Public during happy hour. I posted on the I Love Seville Instagram the lobster roll. I'm showing you the photo right here. I would encourage the viewers and listeners to go to I Love Seville on Instagram and follow us. We have the largest following in Central Virginia on Instagram, except for the University of Virginia. I Love Seville on Instagram. Follow us. Daniel Kaufman is also opening a new restaurant. That new restaurant is called Black Cow Chop House. And Daniel Kaufman texted me um, yesterday or the day before, and he said, Hey, Jer, a lot of folks watch you and listen to you. Can you let them know that Black Cow Chop House is going to open this coming Wednesday? So Black Cow Chop House, Daniel Kaufman, you're my boy. Someone tag Daniel Kaufman. Someone let Daniel Kaufman know I'm giving him some props. Daniel Kaufman, you're my boy. I love you, Daniel Kaufman. I love what you're doing with public. His new business, Black Cow Chop House, is going to open this coming Wednesday in the old Little Star spot on West Main. He says, Jerry, Black Cow Chop House is going to focus on a daily selection of local and nationally sourced steaks and chops, fish, seafood, and classic steakhouse dishes. He says, we'll offer a killer happy hour in the spirit of public and a comprehensive beverage program with an emphasis on bourbon and wine. The front foyer will be our cocktail lounge for casual dinners and weekend late night drinks. I love it, dude. Steakhouse downtown. Downtown doesn't have a steakhouse. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Especially with Kaufman behind it. Mm -hmm. DK, you got skills, dog. Opening Wednesday. All right, a couple of other items out of the notebook. Jefferson Vineyards sold. Jefferson Vineyard has sold. Jefferson Vineyard sold for $11,750,000. I will say it once, I'll say it again. Jefferson Vineyard has sold for $11,750,000. And the scuttlebutt on Twitter is the Thomas Jefferson Foundation has purchased Jefferson Vineyard for $11,750,000, the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. A couple of other items out of the notebook. Um, Stu, are you watching right now? Stu Rifkin, are you watching right now? I want you to see that I'm a man of my word right here, Stu Rifkin. Fellini's Restaurant has sold. An announcement is coming soon. That's all I can say. Fellini's restaurant has sold. An announcement is coming soon. We'll wait till the new owners make the announcement. That's all I can say. I love you, Stu Rifkin. Fellini's has sold. An announcement is coming soon. That's all I will say. Morsel Compass is for sale. Viewers and listeners watching this fair and fine talk show. Morsel Compass is in Crozet. Uh, Morsel Compass has got a food truck and they got a restaurant in Piedmont Place. Unfortunately, Piedmont Place was ravaged by busted pipes. Remember when we had that cold spurt where it was like below zero degrees in December? Yeah, when the north, the cold came down from the north. and Yeah. They basically said if you live above this point in the U.S. Are you on a two-shot? People should see your handsome face over there. If you... If you live above this point in the U.S., don't go outside, don't go outside. or you will die. Yeah. Remember, it was in December, remember? Yeah. Like around Charlottesville, when I was waking up in eastern Almaro County, 
the temperature on my phone said, it feels like minus 13. Yeesh. During that cold spurt, the pipes in Piedmont Place, owned by Andrew Baldwin, Piedmont Place, the developer and the broker behind Core Real Estate, the pipes burst and there was significant damage. I'm talking significant damage in Piedmont Place. Yeah. Morsel Compass has got a spot in Piedmont Place in Crozet. The owner of, P- of uh, Morsel Compass, they got a food truck and a storefront, are selling their business. They want to do other things. They don't want to run a restaurant and a food truck anymore. They want to, they're, 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 they're moving from the area. So Morsel Compass is for sale right now. Lastly, I want to highlight, before I get to viewer and listener comments, I want to highlight the success of the UVA men and women's um, squash teams. If you watch this program, you know I love squash. It's a passion. It's more than a passion. It's almost an obsession. I love squash. The UVA men's squash team is number six in the country. The UVA women's squash team is number eight in the country. Both programs are led by head coach Mark Allen and assistant coaches Grant White and Rodrigo Porras. I think this coaching staff of head coach Mark Allen and assistant coaches Grant White and Rodrigo Porras are one of the best kept secrets at the University of Virginia. They routinely put on a fantastic product. And now they are deep in the postseason and representing the University of Virginia extremely well. I think we should also highlight that friend of the program, Joffrey Woodruff, through his donations to UVA, he's built a world-class facility in the MacArthur Squash Center, a facility that legitimately is of world-class pedigree. It is dynamite, this facility. And it's because of Joffrey Woodruff. You can make a very legitimate argument that uh, Jeffrey Woodruff is the largest donor in University of Virginia history. And it's done more for the University of Virginia than just about anyone, save maybe Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> Legitimately. If it wasn't for this incredible squash facility, this men and women's program would not be as talented or have the recruiting allure to leverage that they do now. All right, those are the news and notes. On tomorrow's show, and I'm going to get to your comments. I'm going to get to your comments, and they've come in fast and furious. On tomorrow's show, I'm going to talk about um, city, the City Yard, Wright's Junkyard, West Main Street parking lot, Ix Park, Kim's Market, Staples parking lot, the Dewberry Hotel, and Anonymous has made a very good point that I should also include um, the... Uh, <clears throat> The parking lot next to the CVS across from Barracks Road where Anderson's Carriage House used to be as an underperforming property. Um, Comments are going to be read now live on air with a hell of a lot of people watching today's show. Um, Oh, Anonymous, you're flying tomorrow. You're not going to watch tomorrow's show. Okay. He says, he wants to put this on my radar. If you talk City Yard tomorrow, I think just looking it up, this was once the Seville Gas Works. So 100 or more years ago, coal was delivered to that site and gasified. He says that SHIT was left over after that gasification process, and it's hideous from an environmental standpoint. Was that ever cleaned up? He's guessing probably not. That's fantastic. That might be one of his best comments. He's talking about the city yard on West Main Street. Yep. He says, if you talk city yard tomorrow, think about this and bring this up. 
The city yard was once Seville Gas Works. So 100 or more years ago, coal was delivered to the city yard and it was gasified. He says that SHIT was left at the city yard and the gasification process is hideous and extremely dangerous from an environmental standpoint. He says, was it ever cleaned up? He's guessing probably not. Gosh, is the city of Charlottesville aware that the city yard is an environmental disaster? And is that why the city yard continues to be home to heavy equipment and manufacturing as opposed to being redeveloped into affordable housing at a time when affordable housing is few and far between? That is an investigative story of award-winning proportions. Neil Williamson, Sean Tubbs, and the Daily Progress look into the history of the city yard and figure out if the city is not utilizing the yard because it knows firsthand that it screwed, I was going to use a different word, (laughs) the parcel, and has done nothing to correct it. That's a story. He also says this, and then I'm going to get to comments for more comments. He goes, it seems like if you want to help a historically mistreated demographic, the last thing you would do if you're Charlottesville City is to steer them into an oversaturated high failure rate industry. It's another strong comment right there from Deep Throat. 80% of small businesses fail in their first three years. The failure rate of restaurants is even greater. What's the failure rate of restaurants in a saturated market like Charlottesville? Probably even higher than that. Mm -hmm. Especially in an inflationary period, labor shortage period, volatile cost of goods period. And the city is steering them into this line of work. Instead, consider steering a historically mistreated demographic into science, technology, engineering, math, and computer coding, which would complement perfectly the birth of the data science school, which is also Joffrey Woodruff's doing, 125 million from him, Paul Manning's Biotech Institute, 100 million from P. Manning, made his billion on baby formula, and the potential regional tech hub that's coming here with 300 to 5 million of regional, of uh, federal funding. That's where you want to steer folks. You got three things that are opening basically, two for sure, one potentially the regional tech hub, three things that could potentially be opening at the exact same time that are on the, that are rooted in the foundation of science, technology, engineering, math, coding. There's where you want to go. Not restaurants, no labor, not restaurants, volatility, not restaurants, inflation, not restaurants, cost of goods out of control. Ay, mi madre. Scott Aaronworth is watching the program. He's the king of Virginia Beach. 
the biggest foodie in the city of Charlottesville is an Esquire from Virginia Beach who comes to Charlottesville for foodcations where he spends a G-note plus, a thousand plus over a four-day period gorging himself and then working off those calories. Is that, is that at Pure Velo, Scott, that you're doing? Scott's a great guy. He says, I have already had a double Gus burger and a double bacon chili cheeseburger from Riverside on my trip. He's already, he got here today, and oh, he's already man. had a double Gus burger from White Spot and a double bacon cheeseburger, double bacon chili cheeseburger from Riverside on his trip. They have chili cheeseburgers at Riverside? At Riverside. Yeah. My, well, you just take the chili from the hot dog. And you put it on the burger. Interesting. One of the best kept secrets at Riverside, if you guys have not tried these, is the fried cheese balls. Hmm. Jalapeno cheese fried and served in a basket. It is orgasmic. Orgasmic. The fried cheese balls from Riverside. I love you, Riverside. Yeah, Riverside. He, he's basically had two of the best burgers in, uh, in Charlottesville yeah. already. <laughs> it's seriously. Yeah. The other burger I would throw in there is maybe the Steakhouse Burger from Citizen Burger Bar because of the crispy onion straws atop of it. Yeah. I love the Steakhouse Burger. Now, granted, the Steakhouse Burger is like 18 bucks, And the Riverside Burger is what, like six? Yeah. Gus Burger is like eight. Uh, Kevin Yancey. Watching the program. He's the king of Waynesboro. He says the last thing the city needs is more restaurants. He says this is a guess, but he'd guess that 65% of the businesses in the city of Charlottesville are food-oriented. I think that might be high. Don't you agree? Definitely a little bit high. Yeah. But still, his point is we have too many. Mm-hmm. Now, if he includes the booze and the catering and the restaurants and the coffee shops. And all of the little uh, self-made kitchen, you know, I, people I, running out of their kitchen. I still doubt it's over 50. Probably not. Neil Ritt Williamson asked, the king of content, what is the churn rate of Charlottesville restaurants? I don't know that. Yeah. Where could we find that information, king of, uh, king of content, Neil Williamson? And would that include all the things we just mentioned, like uh, caterers and... I would think it should. I mean, that would be even tougher to quantify. Yeah, where would we, where would we get that data? I would love that data. Neil. CIC might have some connection to some of that. I mean, at least uh, at least the the more uh, uh, self starter portions of that of those numbers. Kevin says, "Why would current restaurants want to pay taxes to benefit direct competition?" That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. That's exactly my point. Lonnie Murray. Oh, planning commissioner Lonnie Murray watching the program. Lonnie, you got to come on the show, dog. I love you, Lonnie. Warrior AG, I'll get to your comments here. Planning commissioner Murray, you should come on the show. You are a great guy, smart guy. He says, oh my God, those baby carriers are horrible. They're so heavy. Maria Marshall Barnes is talking about the baby carrier as well. They're so heavy. The baby basket that plug into the car seat, did you carry it for your niece? Yeah, I've carried it. Dude! It is a good 20, 25 pounds. you got to be Rocky Balboa or Apollo Creed to carry, though. Dude, it's way more than that. 
The baby alone is like 10 to 15 pounds. Well, I don't think I ever carried it with the baby in it. And... Sorry. Uh... The baby alone is 10 to 15 pounds. <laughs> Lonnie Murray says... I'm pretty sure whoever designed those doesn't have kids. My back was never the same after lugging those around. I know, dude. I feel the same, uh, Lonnie Murray. I, I mean, good Lord. And, and you know what? You talk about mom strength. Another reason moms should rule the world. My wife is a beast, man. She carries that thing no problem. I get it out of the car and have to carry it around. And I'm like, I can't even carry this damn thing. He says, I use them as an engineering example about how people should test use their own products. Exactly. Exactly. Neil Williamson is showing, uh, sharing a meme about the baby carrier and how you need to be essentially Arnold Schwarzenegger or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who lives in Orange County. He has a farm in Orange County um, to carry those things around. Catherine Lochner, who ran for school board at one time, watching the program. She says, what will the Jefferson become? Remember, Jefferson Vineyards, I just let you know, sold for nearly $12 million. I would imagine if the Thomas Jefferson Foundation purchased Jefferson Vineyards, they're going to probably land bank what they purchased. Hmm. And they're going to want it to continue to be beautiful rolling hills and landscaping and, 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 and gorgeous terrain at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains. They probably purchased it to keep development from happening. Uh, Catherine Lochner says there's a Korean barbecue spot coming to Stonefield. That's right. We talked about that last week on the show. First to let the viewers and listeners know. Isn't that, that across Korea- from Stonefield? Uh, Korean barbecue is coming. Because um, I think I just saw it. It was the old champion grill spot. Oh, really? Yeah. Are, are, are they moving from across the street? Uh, I got I can... I, I can't. I, I, I want to let them. I want to let you guys know, but it's not my business to tell. I, I've been sworn to secrecy, and I'm a man of my word. Okay, well, I, I Stu, was, I'm a man of my word, homie. I want Stu Rifkin. I'm a man of my word, dog. You see it right here, Stu. I Korean barbecue, old champion grill spot, Stonefield. Okay. Announcement coming soon. Uh. Lonnie Murray, the planning commissioner, contaminated, contaminated sites can be reused safely as long as you limit exposure to soil and don't use well water. There is often funding for reuse of contaminated sites. Kevin Yancey says the Wagyu burger at Jack Brown's is banging. Catherine Lochner says the best Vietnamese place is... Nguyen's Kitchen on 29 North. Best pho, and is it bun mi sandwiches? Bun mi. Is that how you say it? I've always pronounced them bun mi, but who knows. Carol Thorpe watching the program, the queen of Jack Jewett. Jerry, how can the city steer students into the direction of STEM, science, technology, engineering, math businesses, when it undermines their post-high education for failure with a convoluted grading system and optional homework without penalty, which will hurt them at any decent university beyond? Failure is guaranteed and rooted. It's basically saying that the public school system needs to be completely revamped with its grading scale. And it's everybody gets a trophy mentality. I agree 
Yeah. Everyone doesn't get a trophy. Some people are good at things and some people are bad at them. And you know what determines success? In part, what determines success? Sure, hard work determines success. Hard work determines success. Strategic risk-taking determines, determines success. Hedging determines success. But you know one of the key factors of determining success is figuring out what you're good at early and double-downing on those skills and figuring out what you're bad at, bad at early and allocating what you're bad at to somebody else so you don't have to do it. You figure out what you're good at and you do a lot of that and you figure out what you're bad at and you get other people to do what you're bad at, then you're going to be successful. Telling everybody they're good at everything and everyone should get a trophy even though they suck at baseball or they're not good at squash or they're horrendous at basketball and they're five foot three and they don't have a jump shot, that's not going to help anyone. It's not going to help anyone. Thank you, Neil. That's the one I was thinking of. My wife... My wife and I here, our son, I hope our son's not listening to this right now, sweetheart. If, 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 our, if you're listening to the show with our oldest son right now, please turn down the volume. Um, my son loves to sing songs in the car. While we appreciate his... I imagine they're not the songs that you want to hear in the car while, while we you're appreciate driving. his his outgoing nature, my son is not ever going to be a singer. I'll leave it at that. Maybe a little premature. Why? Because you're saying he's not even five? How many, how many voice training classes has he had so far? Isn't vocal skill set a God-given talent? Like a lot of things it can be, but... Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to it develop... It doesn't matter a- how much talent you have. If you've never... If you've never trained your trained your uh, your your windpipes, Dude, then, he's, uh, no, he's no Justin Bieber. He's just, no Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber was probably no Justin Bieber when he was five years old. Did you see Justin Bieber singing no. on YouTube when he was a kid? I don't think I've ever seen Justin Bieber sing. Scooter Braun, who is one of the most powerful people in music, he's an agent, he's a businessman that figures out ways to monetize artists, their likeness, and help them make millions of dollars, which then he gets a percentage of. Scooter Braun found Justin Bieber on YouTube when he was a wee lad. Justin Bieber was singing in his bedroom a song. Scooter Braun immediately took a plane and flew to Canada, where he signed Justin Bieber, and the rest is history. Singing is a God-given talent. Can you improve your singing? Sure. Through training, practice, vocal coaches, yes. But some people have it, some people don't. Some people have the ability to do sales, some people don't. Some people have the ability to see into the future and see where the market is going, some people don't. Some people are destined to be a number one and own a company and make it work, some people don't. Some people are born six foot eight, six foot nine, 225 pounds. LeBron James from day one was going to be a professional basketball player. I wanted to be a professional basketball player. My dad told me in the seventh grade, Jerry, your mom is five foot one. I'm six one. You're not going to be a pro basketball player. What you're good at is leading people. Go that way. Literally, this is what he told me. Literally, this is what he told me. Some of the best advice I ever gotten. Warrior AG watching. Love you, Warrior AG. Love you, Warrior AG. Albert Graves, I love you. He just retweeted our link. He says, get to know what's happening in the area. 
He says, Warrior AG, an incubator for restaurants funded by the city-state will also hurt the existing restaurants because the incubator will be able to shoulder the labor shortage by offering higher wages to lure in more workers due to their financial backing. That's damn good. Wait a minute. He says, an incubator for restaurants funded by the city and the state in private grants. (laughs) This is such a... So arduous hosting this show for 90 minutes straight on my voice. So arduous. We take no commercial breaks. He says, an incubator for restaurants funded by the city-state will also hurt the existing restaurants because the incubator will be able to shoulder the labor shortage by offering higher wages to lure in more workers due to their financial backing. I'll take it a step further. I think this is what he's saying. I don't know that it works that way. but I now, Here's what I think he's saying. The folks that are going to go to this incubator to launch a restaurant business or a food service business are likely currently working for restaurants locally. Hmm. And as they got a flavor for restaurants locally while working in the kitchen or in the front of the house, they're going to quit current restaurants and further amplify the labor shortage to go to this incubator to potentially launch their dream business. I think that's a fair point. He also says diapers aren't much cheaper. He loves squash, but he prefers the sweet crook neck squash. Well, you're AJ, you're good. He says there's a Korean barbecue in the old Chili's building right now, and Chris Humphreys, the former chef of Fellini's, is an old friend of mine from school. I'm glad it finally got sold. He's talking about Fellini's says both Justin Bieber and Britney Spears were child stars on the Mickey Mouse Club. He's exactly right. Warrior AG, this is for you, homie. Janice Boyce Trevilian suggests the uh, South and Central Burger as one we should try. Hmm. Meredith Young says, and Meredith, you are fit. You are strong. You are fit. You look great. She says, I feel your pain. I'm a boy mom. The infant car seats are so heavy because they know mom's parents are too busy, tired to get to the gym every day. And Meredith is fit. She's a fantastic realtor. She used to be a fitness instructor, personal trainer. She says those damn car seats are so heavy. Lisa Costello is watching the program. Love you, Lisa Costello. She's offering some quality commentary on the I Love Siebel group. I counted the reach of um, my personal Facebook page, the I Love Siebel Facebook page, I Love Siebel Food Facebook page, the I Love Siebel group, our Twitter, 15 Twitter accounts, YouTube, LinkedIn. Dude, the total reach of followers on those pages is over 200,000 people. And that's before sharing and liking the show, which further amplifies the content. Lisa Cusolo asks a fair question. Is collective bargaining more important than school safety? Where were the hundreds of school employees protesting the alleged rape of the student that was filmed and posted? She's talking about the uh, alleged assault, JV football. We were the first to talk about this on the show when no one else would. And she's now saying, we know Almar County Police has arrested people, arrested she's students. Where was who? Where were the students? Where were the teachers protesting that? Hmm. 
To the teacher's credit, Lisa, Dr. Haas and the superintendent's office try to swipe, push it under the rug and try to hide it. And because of that terrible tactic and lack of transparency and piss-poor communication, the teachers weren't really able to protest the alleged assault that happened. Tom Stargell, watch that meeting closely. Johnny Ornalis owns two restaurants locally. We love to see new businesses succeed, but new businesses coming direct for current businesses with an incubator funding from the city? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Rubbing him the wrong way. I would, uh, dude, I'd be pissed, Johnny. Todd Rath, the owner of Blue Toad Hard Cider. How about a training facility to train folks to work in our industry? Does this incubator do that? Fortunately, it does not, Todd. But Antoine Brinson does have a business like that. Antoine uh, Brinson is good people. And uh, Culinary AB, his business, trains staff to get hired at restaurants. Antoine uh, Brinson is good people. All right, that's the show. Man, my voice is struggling right now. Oh, anything you want to add or close with, J-Dubs? Hmm. Oh, John Blair's got a good comment. I love you, John Blair. Jerry, the city does owe its black residents, but is this the best way to do so? Here's one. Why don't we have a nonprofit set up a program for black students that focuses on teaching them artificial intelligence skills? If we want to build wealth for local black students, why don't we focus on teaching them the skills that have exponential wealth building possibilities? Amen. That's, that's amen. Maybe Yolanda. Yolanda Harrell. You're watching the show, Yolanda? Yolanda Harrell. Instead of taking meals tax dollars to create a restaurant incubator that's going to compete directly with current restaurants, why don't you ask for the meals tax dollars to create an incubator that's going to birth artificial intelligence, computer coding, science, technology, and engineering, math, virtuosos that can then get funneled into the data science school or the biotech school or if this regional tech hub happens? Basically STEM. Yeah. Use the tax dollars to pursue the future. We're becoming Silicon Valley East. Use the tax dollars to fund a future that's bright and not a future that's a saturated landscape. That's the show. Judah Wickard, Jerry Miller, the I Love Steve Show on a Thursday.